0: Her father called her a looker. Mrs. Manzetti was her daughter's opposite, shy, self deprecating, with no fashion sense whatever. Mother and daughter neutralized each other. Mrs. M, as she was known, came to every sports event because Alice was a cheerleader. Some of the meaner boys called Mrs. M the witch but I found her dark, curly hair flecked with gray attractive, and I thought it was noble that in spite of her husband's consistent absence, she came to everything, shy as she was. I was also shy, but I tried to pretend otherwise. I chewed gum, better than cigarettes as a way to avoid talking, and grew long hair to hide behind. I hung out with the vaguely artsy crowd that disdained makeup. To this day, I don't know how to apply it. All our defenses seemed so transparent years later. It left me wondering whether Josie might actually have wanted sympathy, though she insisted her surgery never be spoken of, and whether Alice might not have been so outgoing, but just the flip side of her mother. I'll never know, because my only information was what my brother reported. Then and now, I have admired his ability to connect with people, but my life is the opposite of Andrew's. Since my husband's death, he died in his thirties, not long after finishing medical school, in a car crash that was not his fault. I've lived in the carriage house in Cambridge he and I rented, which I managed to buy with the insurance money. I work as a freelance copy editor, editing manuscripts that sometimes come to me so incomplete that at the end of a paragraph by one particularly lame writer I found, in parentheses, you fill in. You fill in. That became my mantra whenever I felt put upon. Although I have friends, I don't feel the need to see them constantly. A phone call or even a postcard ours has been the generation of the ridiculous postcard suffices. I see my brother often because he lives nearby. Andrew and I are close. There was never any estrangement, even during the time he was married and living on the West Coast. I don't like planes, and his marriage was so turbulent that time after time he and his wife would cancel visits east because they'd stopped speaking to each other. Even if I had liked flying, it was not exactly pleasant to realize I'd probably be subjecting myself to a tense few days if I went for a visit. Andrew is embarrassed about those years, though he's hardly alone in having made a mistake in marriage. After their breakup, he plunged into a hectic social life with women before he started looking up girls from high school. He and I would be having coffee, and he would mention that a woman I'd never heard of was so threatened by some female colleague he knew from work that she'd suddenly become clingy, Sue McCamber. Or he'd tell me that in the middle of the night he'd realized that the woman he'd been dating had begun infantilizing him, Dana, or was it Dina? Dina. The discussions he and I had about the women reminded me of Jeopardy, some bizarre action described, with some girl's name the inevitable solution. Who is Sue McCamber? Andrew introduced me to Sue McCamber after she had figured in his life for several months. Sue was the divorced mother of a little boy. She was younger than my brother and slightly new-age flaky. She saw significance in her son's middle name being the same as my brother's. Still, I came to like her. She was pretty. Is pretty, though I don't see her anymore, since he doesn't. In an unselfconscious way and charmingly bumbling in her girlishness. One time she walked out of her clog and hobbled for half a block before she realized what was wrong and started laughing. She didn't mind asking what a word meant if she didn't know, and she was always the first to jump up to help, even if all you were doing was making tea. No one before me had ever made tea for her. All her life, all she'd seen was tea bags. You'd think that with fancy coffee places opening everywhere, she would at least have seen some freshly brewed tea. But she acted as if she were at a séance, looking into my eyes for a sign when I placed the teapot on the table. The next time she came, she brought scones. I had hand-cut marmalade, and even Andrew, who prefers a beer or strong coffee really enjoyed the tea party. Several times I took care of her son while she and Andrew went to dinner and a movie. The people in the big house that hides my house from the street have a small boy also. I was quite experienced in looking after children, and frankly, Vincent was so well-behaved and bright that his visits were a pleasure. I don't know why Sue and Andrew broke up, "'His account to me was garbled and seemed to have something to do with living vicariously. "'He seemed to assume that he and I were implicated together, "'as if my babysitting and his long relationship with her were one and the same, "'and I mustn't settle for being a nursemaid instead of a mother, "'just as he couldn't settle for being a husband instead of a lover. "'Why a person couldn't be both, I couldn't imagine, but it was none of my business.' There was the further complication that he had been seeing another woman when he dated Sue, Dana Dina, whom I never met. The woman I did know and liked very much was Serena Wythe. He went so far as to buy her an engagement ring, though that was the beginning of the end. She came to my house with him in a lull between snowstorms and helped shovel my walk though he tried to make light of their good deed, saying he could not stand another minute of being cooped up inside and that they'd made the long trek over so he could introduce me to the woman he'd fallen in love with, I saw in retrospect that he had come, as he sometimes did, because I was a touchstone, and when things got too crazy in his life, he had a tendency to want to retreat to surer, safer territory. That was what I always represented." He didn't usually make such retreats alone, interestingly enough, but rather to bring along the person who had upset him. I once explained this to a friend by saying that it made me feel like those people who demagnetize watches when on the arm the watch simply stops. Once my brother clasped my wrist, a habitual gesture when he was upset, it was as if he assumed that magically the connection would deactivate his anxiety." In any case, this was some time before he began looking up high school girls. That day he was there to shovel snow and to announce his great love for Serena. Also, unbeknownst to her, but obvious to me, he was there to ask me, in effect, to make it all, except the snow, go away. She reminded me of someone. She was unusually pretty so you'd think that I'd have known at once why she looked familiar. But it took a while before I brought back the face of the nurse who had told me in the hallway of intensive care that my husband had died. I had never seen that particular nurse before, and saw her only briefly then, yet I found that years later her face had imprinted itself in my mind. At the time I had been shocked, as had the nurse, that the doctor who was supposed to have told me had not. "'Considering the extent of Mac's injuries, some part of me had been waiting to hear it. "'But for a split second I had tried to convince myself that nurses in the middle of the night "'were simply not so strikingly beautiful, and that therefore she was a hallucination. "'Someone gorgeous enough to be a beauty pageant winner did not look meaningfully into your face "'as if it was a camera, and then announce the death of the person you most loved.' Of course, the desire for a delusion ensures that you cannot have one. The little story I told myself dematerialized long before it ended. It was not until much later that I summoned up the face and remembered how much I had once wanted it to be proof that I was having a nightmare. So, okay, my brother's girlfriend had reminded me of the long-ago beautiful messenger of death whose words changed my life forever. That still left the real girlfriend, the one who phoned me when her relationship with my brother ended to see if I could shed any light, as she put it, on his abruptly dumping her and disappearing. She called, begging me to meet her for coffee. I had been working on an article about drag racing. My copy-editing job is a wonderful way to gather trivia, which is sometimes useful in conversation, though it more often appears, bizarrely, as bleeps in my dreams— and had spent the morning preceding her call reading up on red lighting, the term for handicapped racing, practiced by the driver profiled in the piece. I had been taking notes to make more accurate the writer's description of the helmet the driver wore, getting the terms right. I-port and vent-port were, as I suspected, two separate things. When the phone rang, and through the answering machine's screening device, I heard Serena's voice, and knew instantly that something was wrong— In agreeing to get together with Serena, I didn't pretend to myself that empathy motivated me. It was more a matter of expedience.